Through the lens of loving local and seeing global, we obsessively search for people whose stories need to be told and how OKC played a supporting role. Hosted by Katherine Bexton and Emmy Coves, welcome to Action City. Hi. Why are we doing this? Expl- remind me again why we're live on a Monday morning on Instagram. <laughs> I don't even know what to tell you. I feel like I've explained to you why we're doing this and I've explained to Instagram and the podcast, but you're the only one who's not I'm the on only board. one that is not on board with a Monday morning live situation. I know. I get it. I'm really tired too. I mean... Well, you don't seem that tired. I'm not tired, but I would like to apologize for this like raspy man voice that I've got going on right now. Okay. Well, you made that (laughs) podcast where I couldn't speak. So this is like nothing. This is better than that. Oh, this this is is 10 times better than that. I felt so bad for our guests that week. I can't remember who it was. I can't remember, but yes, but now I have that same situation. It has improved over the weekend, but I definitely, it was very labored on Friday. Am I talking? I wonder, well, I think was it from... We talked a lot on Thursday. No, I think Thursday. I had a cough, and then I was hacking up phlegm. It was really... It was a lot. Yeah. But now... Summer I, sinuses. Summer sinuses. I'm going to blame it on that. Yeah. But I feel fine. That's Here fine. we are. Here, Here we are on a Monday morning. I know. So... I didn't have my dry bar people. I, I You know, you know, I don't do my own hair, so this well, is Well, really, you have a lot of hair. It's a, it's a mess. And so I kind of wish I just had somebody, like, on speed dial at all times. Well, you should just make a standing dry bar appointment at, like... Eight o'clock every Monday. I know that's true. But then how do I get these kids all around? I've already been to Cassidy twice today. I, I, I like. Well, Neely will drive soon. Oh, God. In March, Neely will drive. I can't wait. We're, we're, we're having a phone situation. Is Richard just going to stand there for 20 minutes? Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, good. So now you can really hear my raspy man voice. This is perfect. Great. Oh, so exciting. Oh my um, gosh. <laughs> okay, so here we are. It's yeah. Monday morning. Yeah. What's your pet? What's your peak? Well, my peak was that we went on vacation. We went to, where'd we go? We went to Aspen. Yeah. It was so much fun. It was just the four of us. And we haven't been on a vacation, just the four of us. I mean, I, I don't even, Yeah. You I don't even really know what time. We always go with our family. And so at first it was really sad when we first got there because our family wasn't there and we're it's always the cousins and my yeah. in-laws. And, and so mm. it was so quiet. Oh, and that's so nice. But though. you know what? We ended up like we had dinner together every night and we rode our bikes and Jim and I went hiking. And at the end, we forced our kids to go on a hike, which is, you know, that was, that was trying. I'm not going to lie. So, but we ended up running into two of my very best friends from San Francisco slash business school. We were, we had ridden our bikes because one of my favorite things to do is we ride our bikes. Now, it was the electric bike. Okay, so I will tell you E-bike. that. The e-bike. Yeah. We rode our bikes to Pine Creek Cookhouse, which is like 15 miles from the house. And then we rode our bikes back. So, you know, I try not to use the electric bike so much. But everybody else puts it on like three turbo and like, you know, bombs it up the hill. And then I'm right. like back at the back trying to keep up. <laughs> so we go. We have lunch at Pine Creek. While we're at Pine Creek, it starts raining. I'm like, oh, this will blow over. This is just like one of those like afternoon rains in Colorado. So we we get on our bikes and we start riding back. And about, I don't know, maybe like six miles home, it starts to sprinkle. And then with like three or four miles, miles left, it starts to pour down rain. Oh, no. I'm freezing to death. Yeah. I do not like to be cold, as Emmy knows. Yes. I'm cold yes. all the time. My hands are frozen. I can't like even clip on the handles. I'm not 
an adventure sport person. I'm much more of like an endurance sport. Right. So I don't like that. Like my two kids are in front of me in the pouring down rain. It's like, I mean, it's freezing. So we're, we are almost home. We're riding through town and I hear Jim say, oh my God, there's Mike and Leah McBride. And I was like, what? So I like slammed on the brakes as much as I could. I stopped. I'm shivering. I'm like dying to get home. And I turn around and it's my two friends that, I mean, one of them I worked at the Gap with forever. Her husband was in my business school class. Like, I mean, I've known them since I was 24 years old, 23 years old. No, younger than that. So we pull over, we talk to them, but it was great because we ended up, they came for dinner. Mike and Jim went fishing it was so nice. Their kids were at camp. So that was a blast. And then I ran into Jim's cousin and her husband. And they came for dinner. So the whole week was really wonderful. Good. And so I'm, I was so happy we got to do it. Now we're back home. Yeah. I mean, what was my pit? My pit is this voice situation. Yeah. Health. I mean, it was, yeah. And yeah. I, I never get, I mean, I'm going to knock on wood because I'm going to jinx myself. Yeah. I never get sick. Like, right. that just is not in my wheelhouse and so Ugh. then I don't like to admit that I'm sick so I will tell you this Neely was sick I took her to the quick clinic COVID test negative she just has like some sort of respiratory thing right and Jim got sick he's hacking up along for like 10 nights in a oh, row that's right yeah, yeah. I couldn't sleep he couldn't sleep and then I sort of got sick but I haven't said to anybody I'm sick because that would admit that then I was sick and that I'm somehow susceptible to catching things from people so <laughs> oh that God. was the that was the that was the pit yeah was the sickness. being sick but i am looking forward to on thursday we're going to denver for some soccer tournament that's gracie's playing in it's some like a national tournament but here's what i think i think it's like horse riding. everybody's a winner <laughs> i mean i don't understand how many national tournaments there can be but only they are playing a team from hawaii oh that's fun a team from cleveland and i don't know where i don't know where the other team was from but okay so that's what we're doing this coming week well that's exciting what's happening at your joint over there um well i think my pit is that okay so we finally got chow the chinese food that avery oh, yes wait did you do takeout or did you yes, go there we, okay we did, okay well, we went there to pick it up so i got to see it it's actually really cute i can't i, I can't remember i mean i kind of remember the inside but the outside's that like white house kind yes, of yes yeah. it's a white house and i think they've recently painted it it looked i mean oh it's been painted mm-hmm. okay like the okay. outside was super cute so last night we kind of had a marathon weekend with family so last night, we always do Sunday night dinner with my parents, and um, I was like, let's just pick up Chinese, and I was like, oh my gosh, we have to pick up chow. So we drove to chow, got the food, whatever. What'd you get? Okay, we got, okay, orange chicken. That's Neely's favorite. This was the best orange chicken. I had to try some. Was it fried, not fried? It was fried breaded. Okay. But it tastes, like, you could tell that they used real Real orange oranges, not, like, some sort of powdered... Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Gotcha. Like, it tasted, like, you could taste the orange, and it tasted oh, like a real orange. Okay. It was so good. We got egg rolls, spring rolls, uh, fried rice, steamed rice, lo mein noodles with, like, a ton of stuff in it. It had, like, tofu, shrimp, veggies, chicken. It was, like, I can't... I think it was called, like, the combination lo mein? I can't remember. Okay. Then we got orange chicken, Kung Pao beef, some other shrimp dish that was just shrimp, like actually really good shrimp with sauteed veggies. It was really like fresh um, because there were a couple gluten-free people. And then what else did we get? Anyways, it was all really good. Really good. Okay, I'm gonna put it back on the list. I'm not back on the list, but it's gonna. It, yeah, gotta go. Like it, it, it should be your Chinese takeout. Okay. 
I mean, at least. Okay. It was so I'm good. It. it was so good. But it's not that far away. No. Well, and from my house, like, we live close to May. Oh, so you live close was, to May. See, now I'm farther away from May. Mm-hmm. But, but it wasn't okay. It wasn't bad. And it was ready in, like, 20 minutes. So we called it in and literally and got in driving. the car. Yeah. yeah. So it was perfect. So the pit, though, was that Jeff, I mean, we had so many boxes. So Jeff threw all the takeout bags in the back of my car. One of them spilled. Oh. And mm-hmm. I walked in. I got in my car this morning, and it smelled of old Chinese food. Oh. And this is nothing against Chow. The food was wonderful. This is against <laughs> the fact that Jeff said he wiped it out. And he didn't. You and can't you can't trust men on things like that. I, I mean, Jeff's normally fairly good, but this I literally walked in and I was like, mm. like It may never go away. And it's gonna it'll be like ninety it'll just bake in there for the rest of the summer. Well, I immediately went and <laughs> like I understand people are all about clean cleaning products. I am quite not there yet. Yeah, sometimes those things. Yeah. Um, like I love Fabuloso, and I know. Oh, it's I like, can't. <laughs> especially the the purple. One. Oh my god! I can't. I can't even think about it. I had really? to tell them to stop cleaning the store with it because every time I walked to the door, I was like, "It is the best smell in the world." Oh, I can't. I don't know why I don't like it. What? It's Brie who got me onto not liking it because Brie is the one who's like obsessed with smells and she'd be like, I can't stand that smell. And then I started thinking about it. Oh my God. Well, well anyways, they make it in it. a spray bottle. Uh-uh. And so I got the Fabuloso out and I came like my whole car. It smells just, like Fabuloso. Well, not really. It kind of just smells I like I hope clean. I don't need a ride today. <laughs> Do you really hate it that I much? I really hate it. It really makes me sick. What? I know. And I don't, I don't know. I don't know why. I yeah. can't, I can't be. See, and that's like when people only use like thieves and vinegar and there's this that makes me nauseous well now that's extreme on the other side i know but so, like people like i feel like my age like brie let's just call it out brie you <laughs> know brie. that you probably use thieves and water at your house but I, your house probably smells lovely well she always tells us smells really good i bet it there yeah, she uses she's some the, i she bet uses she uses some special yes, combination yes. of like things she's probably mixing and making yeah she probably yeah. uses an essential oil in there but like uh, oh, I just can't. Like, whenever I go to my friend's house who are, like, all clean and green and non-toxic. Do you feel bad about yourself? Because sometimes I feel bad about myself. Oh, I totally feel bad. But I'm also, like, okay. Like, beauty-wise, thanks to Chelsea, I'm pretty much all clean. Yeah. Like, shampoo-wise, same. You know, whatever. It's like Oh, if, no, shampoo. I use the real well, deal. L'Oreal something. Oh, you do? Oh, yeah. There's no clean situation on this hair. I don't know. I feel like I'm kind of a little bit of both. Sometimes, well, that's good. It's good to be moderate. But I'm just saying, when it comes to mopping, I cannot, like, I can't be mopping with, like, I have to have the cold chemicals. I just have to. It's only once a week. So it's like, I mean, I can't. Yeah, you can't trust that other stuff. No. Okay, wait, but I feel like you have glossed over your fun weekend that I saw. No, no, all these so fun pictures. Getting, okay, so my pit or my peak, because you know I like to start with my bed. Oh yeah, you so, like to. I like to end note, with the pit. I gotcha. My peak was that. So we celebrated my dad's sixtieth. It was so. It was much so fun. cute. So it was a Caddyshack theme. So okay, he, that's what was going on because yes. you had on like your little. I guess it was your golf outfit. Yeah, I well, wondered okay, if it was so, tennis or golf. This is what happened is that my mom was like, I don't want to give my, she's like, I can't surprise your dad. Like, you know, I just, there's too much planning that has to be involved. And she really wanted to make the party about him. So it was really like, he got to choose the guest list. Aww. It was like all of his friends, most, you know, it wasn't a huge party, but, um, basically she was like, but I want the theme to be a surprise. And like Caddyshack reminds me of like my childhood. Like we watched that movie 
all I the time. I don't know if I've ever seen it all the way through. I Are know you that's serious? I know. It's embarrassing. I, I don't know why. I mean, okay, so my mom's family is all from Ohio, and they all quote movies all the time. And so That's like a special skill. Oh, they've seen every... That most men have, I don't know about women. Well, my aunt is like... So good. So good. But anyway, so Caddyshack, like all the Caddyshack quotes, like... You know, now you know why tigers eat their young and be the ball and all this stuff. Like, there's like a million. I would have no idea what they were talking about. Okay, well, so that's like, (laughs) I posted about my dad's birthday and I said, you must have been something before electricity. And that's what Rodney Dangerfield says to Judge Smales. I'm like, what is she talking about? No, so Rodney Dangerfield says that to Judge Smales' wife. Like, they're dancing. He's like, oh, hon, you must have been something before electricity. It's like hysterical. I mean, all the quotes (laughs) in that movie are so funny. And so I was dressed up as Spalding, which is like the bratty nephew. And he's like, Spalding, you'll get nothing and like it. Like that, that was my That character. was you. Okay. Yes. Who was Jeff? He was wearing a red he shirt. He was Danny. Oh. Because he was a caddy. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So my, and my dad was Chevy Chase. My mom was Lacey Underall, who's like. Did your mom have to like get the outfit for your dad and lay it out? Uh-huh. So, because he didn't know what the theme was. Yes. Yeah, so basically what we did was my siblings and all of our significant others we took my dad golfing before the party. Okay. Like a whole 18 holes of golfing? No, we played four holes. Oh, perfect. That's but what I like. Four we, we had to only use one club. Oh, which so one did you pick? I picked the three wood, which was not a, not the best. I think. A, what What do you think the best would be? Like a six, probably. Because you can, it's still kind of flat. You can yeah, kind yeah, of pot yeah, with yeah. it. The chipping with the six might. Oh, no, no, the no, chipping would be yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah, Because the six is a... Yeah, I mean, it's a wedge it, kind of my, thing, right? I don't know, whatever. Okay. I'm, my I'm golf not a golf expert. Yeah, um, but it was really fun, and we had all these different rules and whatever. So I think my dad ended up winning. But so we did that while my mom was, like, getting everybody kind of upstairs. And then we went upstairs, and it was the party. Gotcha. So it was really fun. I bet your dad had a blast. He did. My my dad's 60th birthday, I think I've told you this, yeah. was four days after Neely was born. I think we talked about it on the last podcast. Oh, yeah. And it was at the Grand House. Yes. And my mom was, like, standing over the bassinet in the hospital with, you know, four days till the party, like, with a stack of papers, like, this tall, <laughs> planning the party. Hmm. I mean, it yes. was fun. But, you know, he didn't have a big 70th. Like, the 60th was a blowout, and now the 70th was, I don't even know, dinner at my mom's house. Well, so, well, his birthday actually isn't till a couple of weeks but we'll all be in Jacksonville together gotcha. so you wanted so, to do it here with yeah so it was like a fun party it was really fun it was it was like you know the attire was laid back I mean it was all like golf attire. yeah so nice Nobody so was everybody like yeah exactly so it was really fun so oh I'm so yeah what a fun weekend it was a fun weekend and it was fun that my siblings were in town yeah. and all the yeah. cousins were together all the cousins all the little Huffman and Lark and mm-hmm. I know so it was really fun so. Well, here yeah. we are. Are we at the end of our live now? Okay. So. so we're really yes. excited about this week's guest. We're not going to tell you who it is because you have to wait till Thursday. But Emmy and I sort of have a very close connection to our next guest. And we're so excited that he's coming on the podcast. So Nathan Sheldon was born and raised in the Brazilian jungle where his family was working as linguists. He moved to the Brazilian city of Brasilia when he was 11, and there had electricity and running water for the first time. When Nathan was a senior in high school, his family moved to Colorado Springs. After college, he moved to Norman, Oklahoma. Nathan began his career as an accountant at Deloitte. In October 2014, Nathan Sheldon was named the 10th head of school for Cassidy School, 
after serving as interim head of school for four months. Since Mr. Sheldon joined Cassidy in 2003, he has served as associate head of school and chief financial officer. Mr. Sheldon is married to Stacy, a native of Norman. Together they have two children, Sarah and Stephen. Welcome Mr. Sheldon to Action City. Looking for your voice to be heard? Have a passion and want to share it with those of a common mindset? Have a business or a brand that needs to get the word out but don't know where to advertise? Contact Blacken Studios, a full-spectrum, cutting-edge podcast studio that services clients from all over the country. Blacken Studios offers you more than just a podcast. We offer you an experience. In-house production from audio-video recording, editing, marketing, advertisement, and exposure with over thousands of people listening weekly. Black & Studios doesn't hesitate to back local businesses. So when you want your voice heard, Black & Studios has your back. Search Black & Studios on all social platforms. Email at podcast at blackandstudios.com or visit us at blackandstudios.com. And remember, it's Black & Nathan. Hey. Hi. Emmy and I have been, we have been grooming you (laughs) and waiting for this moment for about six or seven months. And I guess summer is the perfect time for this, right? Yeah. It's kind of weird. I can't. I, I can't call you Nathan. I, I know. Say Mr. Sheldon. Mr. Sheldon. <laughs> so well, I told oh Gracie goodness. I was interview. We were interviewing you this morning, and uh-huh. I said, "Oh, we're interviewing Nathan." Then I said, "Oh, wait, Mr. Sheldon, Mr. we're interviewing." And she said, that. "Oh, mom." So, yeah. is there anything you want me to ask? She didn't have any great questions. Good. She wasn't very <laughs> helpful. <laughs> That's probably best. Of course, my parents had some questions. I said, oh, "Mom, we'll leave yeah. that for another time." See, mm-hmm. I like. Know, I try not to tell my parents who I'm interviewing because I knew that they they'd would, have their yeah, two cents. Although, oh, sometimes yeah. Sometimes that would be great, but mm-hmm. other times I'm just like, "Oh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know." Well, this is well, interviewing Nathan is especially it, you know. I'm sure my parents and your parents would have yes. had a lot of questions. So that was probably a best. I should have not said a word. Well, but I had to have my mom pick up Gracie from power camp. Yeah. So I had to, mm-hmm. you know, give some sort of context yeah, exactly. as to why I needed her help. I'm okay, glad well, to be here. We're so happy. Emmy, you should where I know that you know where to start. Where are we starting? I know. So where were you born? So I was born in Brazil. I was born in Rio de Janeiro. And then when I was And 10 where is 12, that in Brazil? So Rio de Janeiro, I think most people know, but it's on the it's on the on the border, uh, southern southern border. Of, I don't know. Uh, Brazil. I was it's not, of Brazil okay. and what? Well, so it would be closest to probably Argentina, but it's not down that far. It's really in the middle, but on the coast. But so it's on the okay. east, it'd be on the east coast. Oh, and, I see. And okay. your parents are from the United States. Yeah, my parents are American. Uh, my father and mother are both linguists, and so they were with a mission group called uh, Wycliffe. Wycliffe Bible Translators, and so the goal of the of the mission is, or the of the organization, was to go into indigenous um, areas of the country, find a group of people that didn't have their language written in written form yet, and they would then translate it and create a written language for the Indians. And in the process, of course, they would try to um, uh, kind of translate the New Testament. Wow! Yeah. How how do you even do that? How do you take? They obviously tell us what language it was. So. So it, it's hard to do, but it's the language. We were with a group of Indians kind of on the Huma Sea, which is is a, tr- a tributary of the Humadera, which is a tributary of the Amazon River, just to give you a context of where it was. So it all so connects. We were all the way kind of towards the Bolivia, Peru side of things. 
which was way inside the Amazon. Um, but the Indians that we were with, was the, they were the Murapiraha. And the Murapiraha have a tonal language. And so it's, um, there are, it's a bit like Chinese. So there's three different tones that you can use. So if, if for example, I said the word awe, that would mean Brazilian. But if I said awe, that would mean Brazil nut. So there were seven different words that awe could mean. So you had to be a little bit thoughtful about what you said. So was this your you first it. language? Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I think I learned English um, as well, but I, I probably learned Murupiraha, and then I learned Portuguese, and then English was probably right in there as well. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. That well, is incredible. So you were born right. on the coast, and then... Did your mom have you in a hospital? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there was a German hospital there called Amparo Fimeneno, and uh, they, they went out. They left the, the jungle to go to the hospital, have me, and then moved back when I was uh, 10 weeks old. So they stayed sort of near the hospital mm-hmm. when you were After a baby. I was born. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you have siblings? I do. I have a brother and a sister. Are you the um, oldest? I am. Mm-hmm. I could. I should have known that. And so were they also born in Brazil? Um, they were. Yeah. My my sister is a natural born Brazilian. Um, we adopted her when she was five. Oh. And uh, and my brother were both born in Huichanu. Wow. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. And how how old how much younger is your brother than you are? Scott is two years younger than me, and then my sister is two years younger than me as well. Um, so oh, okay. They're, they're so kind of they're like twins. twins. They're like yeah. twins. Yeah. And they were that way. I mean, karma did everything for Scott. Uh, <laughs> of <always>. course. <laughs> of course. Uh, as you can imagine. Wait, so what so. was it like growing up with that population? What mm-hmm. was kind of like... I'm imagining the way my kids come home and watch Paw Patrol, and I'm like, that is not what you were right. experiencing. Right. Yeah, so... At the time, I didn't know any better. Today, I wouldn't go back to it yeah. um, because it was you had to take a boat into the into the river um, and up up the river to the Murupiraha. There's no running water, no electricity. You lived. I mean, we lived in hammocks, uh, in thatch huts, and uh, just you had to hunt and fish every day um, wow. to make it go because nothing would. We'd take in canned goods, but you could only take a limited amount of canned goods in. Um, oh but goodness. it was fun. I enjoy, I I enjoyed growing up with the with the Murupiraha. The Indians were were gracious. They were really kind to us. They they saw me as a Murupiraha. My father and mother never really were, um, but they they accepted us and we did all the things the kids Murupiraha kids did. We go up and down the river and chase porpoise and just had a had a good time. Learned to hunt and fish with a bow and arrow and just kind of fun stuff like that. Wait, side note: Have you watched that show alone? I have not. Oh, there's Sorry. a show called Alone on Netflix. Where uh-huh. they, well, it's in the Arctic though, but they put okay. them in the wilderness and they only have a bow and arrow and they have to create their. They have to go oh my to gosh. And hunt mm-hmm. and fish. I think Nathan would probably survive that. I was going to say, yeah. well, that so would be one fine. Of the, I would not like it, but I would. He would do it. Yeah, <laughs> but one of the contestants has a similar growing up story to you. And oh, that. is that right? Mm-hmm. And oh, so that's, that's cool. why it. it although he did not like the cold because he mm. grew up in. Like he was in the jungles in yes. Venezuela. So. Oh, okay. But it's so interesting. So, have you ever gone back? Not to the Murupiraha. Okay. I don't. I don't think I would. Um, how far was, down are you? Now. I mean, how? Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Americans aren't allowed to go there. So yeah. So there was. There's a organization in the government of Brazil that restricts where you can go with regard to the Amazon region, with regard to the Indians, and so the Murupiraha now have the Humay Sea as their designated land, and there's only about a hundred of them. So my dad still goes oh, back there, gosh. and um, he can meet with them up upriver. There's but a small he town. Go he can't like go down the river. Uh-uh. Wow. Yeah. So did you live? You lived in the village with them? Correct. Yeah. 
And so. did, was there a school? How did, how was everybody so educated? My mom, I, we moved out when I was 10, roughly. It was my, the start of my fifth grade. And we moved to Brasilia, which is the capital. And I spent the rest of my um, growing up years in Brasilia. But my mother was uh, our, our um, she homeschooled us. Did she homeschool and the other kids in the village? Or, I mean, I guess that she wouldn't so have done that. So we were that, teaching maybe? the Indians, or we, my mother and father were, one, creating a language, a written language for them. And it was real challenging because, um, for example, my name is Oiboy Biasaikase. And so that means something to the Indians. Um, what so, does it mean? Well, it's a fish. So I'm a type oh. of fish. <laughs> what kind of fish? I don't know. Just like a barracuda a kind belly. of fish or like no, a little no, like Nemo a, kind of fish? It's more of like a starfish um, okay. type of fish. Um, but, and it's a very limited language. And so you, there's not a lot of words that you use. And they don't have they don't have the idea of time. So time doesn't mean anything to the Murapiraha. Wait, that's crazy. So right. I'm thinking about all the schedule my schedules my right. kids are on. Mm-hmm. I would get along very well with yeah, the Murapiraha. That would be good. Like my family are, should probably think about that. <laughs> getting rid of time. We already yeah. have pretty much, but the only reference of time they have is they they would refer to the moons. So two moons from now or three moons from now. But there was there was never a yesterday, so they never lived in the past. Um, so it was really hard to hard to create a language where the American system has a word for it, but the Murupiraha wouldn't have a word for it. Um, and so, so were they right. successful in writing mm-hmm. down the language? Yeah. So we, were, my father was able to um, translate the translate their language into a written form. So it only has, I think, three vowels and seven consonants in their language. But then there's numbers over all of the letters, and so they mean. So you you just pitch your voice differently. When you when you say certain words and the numbers at the top, did those indicate how you pitch your voice? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there's a one, two, or a three over the letter, and that would indicate whether you're going high, low, or in the middle. So, how many people in oh, the world actually sense. speak this language? A hundred? Yeah, about a well, hundred and us. So and you guys. <laughs> but I mean, that's pretty remarkable. Yeah. Uh, like, so it's, if we if the United States needed to communicate with them, they would call your parents, or they would call you, or I guess they would, but I don't know why they would because it's a very they're they're nomadic, um, and so they move up and down the river as the fishing, however the fishing works, and so they go up and down the river. Have you ever that. tried to contact somebody you grew up with, like in the village? Or? My father has um, spoken with a couple of the kids that I grew up with, yeah. um, and it's been kind of fun. They remember us, and, and I remember them, but I remember them in the context of, so the Indians would teach you to, the boys would get to learn to um, fish at a fairly early age and to hunt, and so we would go back in the jungle with the men, and learn to hunt and fish with them. Karma never could. The women, the women's role in the village it's is very different. different. Um, and and the language for the women, they would, they oftentimes would hum the language. So they might say something like, mm, 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 and that would, that's how they would communicate. The men always would grunt. So like if I wanted to say, uh, there's not a lot I could say, but I could, I could say, um, and that just means I really like a large glass of milk. Um, to which they would have oh um, some milk. And so it's, it's um, but the men could speak it. And then the men also, when we were hunting, we would whistle it. So I might say something, if let's say the three of us were hunting, I would say, and then I would, I would have said to you, um, and so that just means, where did you see it go by you? Um, when we were looking for whether it was taper or whatever it was we were eating, were they to whistling eat. to not to not alert mm-hmm. the wildlife that they were there? Mm-hmm. 
Wow. In fact, early on, my father would wear deodorant and the Indians wouldn't let him hunt with them. And he finally figured out it was the deodorant that was causing, <laughs> causing the yeah, problem. because it would, it would alert the animals. Wow. So, different so life. Your parents yeah. must be pretty adventurous. I mean. I guess. Um, I never really asked them about it. But I think they probably were. Um, and then the reason we left was not because um, it was time to leave or they finished their work, because they didn't. Um, they have not finished it. My father still does some work with them. But my father was asked to direct the organization um, in Brasilia, and my sister was turning, um, let's see, I left when I, we were 11, so she was turning 9, um, maybe 10. And the Murupiraha, the way they take a wife, is they simply take a young lady who's about to um, mm. go through menstruation and take them upriver, and then that's their that's wife. And, and we had talked to the Indians about how, you know, with karma, that wasn't the way it was going to work. But my mom felt pretty uncomfortable taking that chance because it's culturally okay. You know, if, since we're asking if them to do she had different. been biologically your parents' daughter, mm -hmm. do you think they would have taken her as a wife? Or was it because she was Brazilian that maybe your mom was especially worried? I think I worried? would have been the same way. I oh, been, I like, would have been especially, yeah. Here, yeah, that's kind of the way mom was. Yeah. That's, that's, that's enough. Um, I don't know that it mattered it that she was a Brazilian, a naturalized mm -hmm. Brazilian. Um, I think the Indians wouldn't have cared because they saw us as part of their extended family. I mean, because by then we by then were you had, integrated into the right. village in full force. So wow. you show up in Brasilia. Mm -hmm. That was weird. You've had no electricity, no running right. water. And do you move to an apartment? I mean, what? Yeah, how do your so parents Brasilia's explain city, to you? Um, and we moved, rent, went to an apartment and I went to... Oh yeah, you'd never seen probably a car. I had not. Had you ever it. left the village? I did. So I did once. Um, I, when, I was, when I was eight, my, um, I started to have my discoloration in my hand. And then my foot, and um, so they took me out of the village and into down, back down to Rio to see some doctors. The doctors were concerned enough that they flew me to NIH in DC, and um, I spent six months in DC. So I had seen civilization. So you had seen. I didn't like it, um, but were you in DC by yourself, or did one of your parents no, go with my you? My mom was up there, mm -hmm. um, and so uh, they were going to amputate my arm, my leg, um, but they ended up not having to do that. So oh, it's kind of cool. Oh my gosh! Wow. Think if you had not had access to that healthcare, right? If you had just right. If we had been stayed a villager, in the jungle, right? Mm -hmm. um, it probably wouldn't have ended well. Mm -hmm. So then, after six months, when they said you're going back to I was Brazil, you were glad. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, because it, it was hard. I mean, when I was at an AIH, I was one of the first children to have whatever it was that I had. I don't, I don't, can't remember what it was, but um, so I had doctors from all over the world flying in to see me. And so it was really, oh, for so me, it was like, like over, yeah. it was really a lot. You weren't um, yeah. being don't a have kid fun there. memories of that. Right. Mm -hmm. oh, so you were happy gosh. to go home. I was elated to go back. And then we went, we moved to Brasilia and I went to uh, a school system there called the Escola Americana de Brasilia, which is um, where the embassy kids, a lot of the embassy children would go. So it was an American school system. I started learning in English. How was that making friends when you'd been in the village and then going to, you know, a school with these kids who had not grown up the same way? I, I didn't have so much trouble with friends oh, as good. I did with um, wearing shoes. Oh, that was going to be my next question. <laughs> um, <laughs> what were the shoes like? Your feet probably weren't yeah, made weren't for shoes at that point. Mm -hmm. So it was, that was an adjustment. That was probably my biggest adjustment was um, the clothes. You always had to have a shirt on. You always right. had to have shoes on. And that kind of stunk. <laughs> so, but you know what um it's like 
I think it's like Cassidy where um, where people are just friendly. Right. And Brazilians are really friendly people. I mean, we're, it's a very friendly um, group of people. So I didn't have trouble with friends. So did you stay in Brazil through high school? I did. So I stayed in Brasilia um, until I was just before I turned 18. Um, and in, in Brazil, you have um, mandatory uh, military service. Okay. And so I didn't want to do that. Um, and we had, we had kind of greased the right wheels to get uh, the paperwork through. But again, my mom, being a little bit cautious, said, you know what, let's move back to the U.S. Um, and let you finish senior year in the U.S. So did Which, Carmen have U.S. citizenship? She became naturalized citizen. Naturalized mm-hmm. citizen because she had been adopted right. by your parents. And Scott and I have both. We have a dual citizenship. Oh, wow. So, mm-hmm. so, so where did you finish high school? I finished in Colorado Springs. Oh, okay. And I, I, I hated that. I went to a small Christian school and... I think I was voted most likely to go to hell. <laughs> because culturally, it was just, it was you know, just different. do yeah. things different. Than well, they're night, probably a little more here. free than the Christians in Colorado Springs. Well, correct. And like the drinking age in Brazil is probably, I don't know. I mean, it, I'm sure, I mean, not that you were drinking, right. but I'm just saying, I would it's imagine moving back it's to different. the States, you're mm-hmm. like, you know. Had your, had your parents sure. considered that when they picked the school or was that sort of? No, um. Or were yeah, they I think were, that was that wasn't an option for me. It was I was going to go. It was um, it was a it was a Christian school in Colorado Springs Christian School is the name of the school that I graduated from. And then my brother and sister the next year went to um, uh, the public school. Oh, Colorado you Springs. were? Are you still so, mad at them about that? You're well, so jealous. Maybe. Maybe I'm mad. <laughs> a little jealous. No, no, it's all worked out. So where'd you go to college? So I went to um, John Brown University in Arkansas. And I played soccer and I played tennis there. It's a small NAIA school. So I was in Oklahoma City quite a bit playing schools like OBU, SNU, um, OCU, and some of those schools. So I I was in, I knew of Oklahoma City. I just never dreamed I'd be in Oklahoma City. You would be a permanent resident of the the metro. I feel like your path through life, yeah, ending up in Oklahoma City is pretty (laughs) unlikely, right? It's pretty remote. It's pretty remote. I have no family here. Um, You know, my, my father's. Families in Colorado. My mother's family's in Iowa. So, but I met Stacy in college, and Stacy was a volleyball player. So she was at John and, Brown as well. Uh-huh. She was from Norman, and we knew we were going to get married after college. It was a year after because I moved to Dallas and worked for a year. Um, but then I started grad school at OU, okay. and uh, the plan was for her to work and I'd go to grad school. And she got laid off that we got married in November. She got laid off in December. Oh, so goodness. I went to work right away and went to grad school and it when, worked out fine. When was this? What year? 1990. Okay. The end of 1990, 91. So I graduated from OU in 93. Well, so how did you years. explain to Stacy your upbringing? I mean, how did. I don't know. I'm kind of I don't really talk a lot about it, so I don't. She knows a little bit about it, but I mean, she doesn't ask a lot of questions and I don't tell her a lot of things, but. My folks would tell her things more than I would. Yeah. Well, now that you're talking, now when you mentioned the hospital stay, I'm like that must have been very traumatic. Yeah. Yeah. It probably it wasn't easy. Um, yeah. And I remember my 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 roommate. Uh, we set the hospital on fire one time. Oh my god! Because um, I was showing him how to build a fire. It, which In the hospital. Sense to me. This is right. what my little brother set our playhouse on fire when we were there little. He would have done the same thing. Well, Some kids I like your just. Little brother. He's, mm-hmm. But anyways, he. He ended up dying. He had one of the first early um, AIDS kids. And no. so, yeah. Oh, my gosh. But anyways, it was, it, you know what? Everybody has a story to their upbringing. Yeah. That's mine. And it makes them who they are today, right? Correct. It, it informs Correct. how you live your life now. I think that's probably so true. So what do you think of Norman when you get there? I enjoyed, I enjoyed grad school. Yeah. Um, and I think had we not um, 
had situations in our personal life not been what they were, we probably would be in Oklahoma City today. Um, but when my son was two, he was diagnosed with uh, moderate autism. Uh, and so we had we hired an organization out of Florida to come up and teach um, graduate students how to do ABA therapy. And so he did ABA therapy from the time he was two to the time he was five. And we used graduate, you know, PhD students um, at, down at OU. Thank goodness that you were in a university environment and right. had access. sort of access, knowledge. Because, I mean, that was, what, early 90s? It, it was, yeah, late 90s. Um, so 90, 99 to 2000-ish time frame. Uh, and That's, it, Oklahoma really didn't have any access to ABA therapy, which is what we had decided we wanted to um, use with Stephen. And it worked out really well. Um, and, Stephen, and is that program still going at OU now? Uh, well, we it was our program, so we hired uh, an organization from Florida that that understood ABA therapy, and then we had them come up and train the students that we hired. Gotcha. To that you hired. To, mm-hmm. wow. And do we have ABA therapy in Oklahoma now? Yes, as we there's do. A, a lot more access today. In fact, a lot of the schools are using ABA therapy um, as part of their therapy. So, long story short, though, Stephen's doing really well. He's, He's doing in college well. now, and studying engineering and doing great plays in the pride and loves, loves Oh my life. God. I love it. When you post the videos of the pride, I, know, I always I, think it's so much fun. It. That was what we, we used to it. take the kids to do when they were little. We didn't even care about the football. We didn't <laughs> want to go see the band. It was the best. Right. Yeah. My wife has a shirt that she wears for football games. I'm here for the pride. <laughs> <You're> <laughs> <with> the pride. <laughs> <laughs> She's probably not the only mom with that. She may not be. That's yeah. true. Well, so you went to graduate school, MBA? No, actually. So I was an accounting major undergraduate. And I went to graduate school to study tax. I really wanted to do tax planning. That was like what I fascinating. I to do. Really, somebody's um, got to do tax planning. I guess, right? <laughs> who does? Who, who when they're the like, jungle. yeah, you're in the jungle now. You want to do tax planning? Uh, so <laughs> I, I got my master's in in tax or master's in accountancy with a tax emphasis, and I went to work for one of the big six accounting firms, Deloitte and Touche. I worked for a guy named Richard Cosboth, and. What I found out was it's a lot of compliance work here in Oklahoma City. So it was a lot of, I filled out a lot of 1065s and tax returns and tax oh, returns, and I hated that. Sounds horrible. So, I mean, literally horrible. Oh, it, it was as horrible as it sounds. And if you thought it was horrible, it was definitely horrible. <laughs> right? Like, it really right. was. That's so true. So, well, so how long did you work? Yeah, how long did you work at Deloitte? I was at Deloitte, I, boy, time flies. I probably five or six years. Um, and I did both auditing and tax work. And so uh, during this time, you have your son, and then now you're... I had my daughter first, and then Oh, your daughter. Uh-huh. Okay, okay. Yeah. I, like, I... Sarah. Yeah. And okay. she's out of college. Is she, she out is. of college? She's a kindergarten teacher at Positive Tomorrows, which is oh, awesome. Oh, I love Positive so Tomorrows. Cool. Yeah. yeah. So she's a sweetheart. Oh, my gosh. We're, we're proud of the work she's doing. Okay, so... You're you almost have... done. You have almost got everybody out the yeah. door. I'm a, getting close. I'm real jealous. So yeah. where do you go from Deloitte? So... I knew I didn't like uh, tax, and so I, I, went into, I went into the finance side of things, um, and I, I ended up working as the controller for a company here in town called, um, they own Glamour Shots, called Candid Color. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. Jack Counts and Loved his team. Yes. Shots. Right? <laughs> of which we there love, is no more. Well, I know when you say gl- shots. Glamour Shots, well, so his, <clears throat> he's my, he is, was at Cassidy when my dad was at Cassidy. He didn't graduate from Cassidy. Correct. They were there. He was mm-hmm. there for a short time, mm-hmm. but um, his daughter and neely are friends so oh, okay. he, he has a daughter who's a freshman at heritage he has twins who are freshmen yes. at heritage and so oh, cool. oh my gosh, glamour, shots, the, was glamour shots was the wasn't it oh, oh yeah I know. Well, did I you was, ever go 
Are you I never had my glamour shots done. I, I think have I was too old at that point. All the glamour shots. Because, well, okay, think about it. I was born in 1990. Yeah. Well, yeah. So, height of the whole thing. Shots. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, 1996 mm-hmm. was like. I have I so it. many because they would like blow your hair out and yes. you got to put on different outfits and oh my gosh, so much fun! And then like Marie Mason had her birthday party at Glamour Shot, so we got to oh, all wow. get a Glamour Shot, and then we had a group photo. Oh yeah, I was, love that. This is oh, probably yeah. when Maven yeah. was working for them. See, this is I know, right. Well, but so, I was in the back office. Yeah, in the they, back office. I, I hope you weren't me. doing her hair. No, you were not doing hair. You were not doing hair. I mean, I have like the most 90s picture. I have a, like a denim bucket hat with like the big sunflower. From yes. Grandma. Like it was my glamour shots picture and my hair is like all, oh, it was so fun. You and about 10,000 yeah. other little girls. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Okay, so it. how long were you there? I was there probably, I worked with Michelle Chilton for probably f- six, six years, five or six years. And then a buddy of mine from Deloitte, Mike Freeman, um, needed some help at uh, the Fleming Companies. And I went to the Fleming Companies, and I was the corporate controller there for a couple of years. And then I was promoted to the um, controller of wholesale operations. And then I worked, I officed out of um, Dallas. My, my, oh, yeah, my office was in Dallas, and or actually, yeah, it was a suburb of Dallas, but it was outside of Dallas. And then we had our accounting center here in Oklahoma City. So we had about 200 to 250 accountants here wow. in Oklahoma City. So I was I traveled a lot. We had 19 yeah. warehouses around the country. So I did a lot of traveling, um, and it was it was it was fine when you didn't have a concern. But it was really hard on Stephen yeah. to have me yeah. in his life, in and out, in and out, in and out. Yeah. So uh, I made the decision to. I didn't. Stacy and I together made the decision that it was probably best if I leave Fleming. And I left right at the time when Fleming was going under. Right. But, you know, you know, you guys know the story. It's, it's a sad story. But it's no longer. Did it get bought by Cisco? What it happened? It completely fizzled out. Oh, it did. Um, okay. Yeah. It. It. I think Walmart really was the kind of precursor to it, mm-hmm. and now Amazon would have been a death nail. But um, yeah. Walmart really was the was the. They were far more efficient at distributing than we were, and so the little we we serviced mostly small grocery stores. The IGAs, the you know, Piggly oh, yeah. Wigglies, and yeah, Pops. yeah, mm-hmm. really cool places, um, but places that aren't in existence Wait, today. Piggly Wigglies not in existence either. There are some Piggly Wigglies, okay. um, so there are some of the franchises are still around, okay. but um, there aren't as many. Gotcha. That was like when we go to South Carolina. It's yes, go to Piggly, Piggly Wiggly. Uh-huh. Yes, there you go. There, yeah. Oh, that's so. So, I how did it. you get to Cassidy? Well, so when I made the, when we made the decision to not have me working there, there was somebody associated with the school that said, would you mind just going and helping them just for a few years at least? Um, because I, I had done some things that helped turn some thing, divisions around at Fleming. What year is this? This was uh, 2000 and, no, 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 1995-ish maybe? No, 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 no. no. It's been sorry, that long, no. Okay, okay, I was like, wait a sorry, minute, I'm, off, I'm off a little bit, yeah. Well, that's, okay, because I was talking to some, or my husband, mm-hmm. he was like, was Mr. Sheldon your headmaster? I was like, no, I was like, because right. I graduated in 08, and I was like, but I know he was working for the school when I graduated, but Correct. it wasn't in a position where I knew him. Like, I remember mm-hmm. your name. It was I, back office again. Yeah. It was. Yeah. You tried to stay in the so back was, office, I, but we no. wouldn't let you. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I started off at the CFO, okay. and then uh, Charlie Britton hired me. Right. Uh, and my goal was to just work there a couple years, because I really wanted to go back into finance and stay in finance. Mm-hmm. And uh, the second year I was there... Uh, we didn't have enough money for a math teacher. Uh, we needed a part-time math teacher. And we just, we were, as a school, we were struggling financially. Significant, it was a significant struggle. Um, and so 
Charlie said, Nathan, you're good at math. Just you teach algebra. <laughs> and I was like, you know, I was okay. that guy who said those who can do and those who can't <laughs> teach, which was such a mistake because that next year I worked my tail off oh, just imagine. remembering how to do, do algebra. algebra. Uh, exactly. And so I taught algebra for two years and I loved it. But Okay, wait, which is eighth grade? Is algebra? Ninth, well, it was, I taught the ninth grade section. So if kids had, were coming in from outside of Cassidy, they typically had not had algebra yet. So I would teach those kids. Um, and kids. How were your struggled. reviews? What did they think about you as a teacher? You know, I some kids loved me, and I'm sure some kids some hated kids. me. <laughs> and that's a, you know that's the way it is. That's <laughs> Wait, so I'm trying to was this like 2007? Mm, and you probably okay probably seven eight. So um, you were what a junior or a senior? You would have been yeah, a junior yeah. or but a I, senior. Thankfully, by then I was past algebra. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> not, not by a lot, but, but, I was, but not by a lot. But you did it. Yeah. It was fun. I, I really enjoyed it. And wh- what I started to get a sense of was how incredible working with kids was and how it made me feel. Um, and so I think it was the second year after that, I started coaching soccer and um, tennis in middle division. I love that. And Wait, probably, so did you go to Charlie and say, I want to coach soccer and tennis? Well, did they come to no, you? How they did came that? to me again. Of course we they were, did. We were without money for coaching staff. So, I mean, I'm like the default, you know, give it to Mike. <laughs> yeah, he'll do it. He'll do it. But I, I think like that was sort of the Cassidy way for like a minute though, right? It was it like, was it was like, while. oh, you, you're a teacher and you're a coach. Oh wait, you played college right. this. So that so you means coach, you're the coach. Okay. But I think that's horrible. what made it so special though, because you saw the kids right. in algebra, right? Mm-hmm. And maybe there were kids that were in algebra who math wasn't going to be their thing. Oftentimes. And then maybe you got to see them on the tennis court. Mm-hmm. And they were a completely different kid on the tennis court. Right. And I think that's probably, that's really special. I, and I actually think that's the, to me, that's the signature. I, I, I really believe that education is built around the relationship of teacher and student. And I think having that outside the classroom relationship is really an important thing that helps kids see their teachers or something different than what they are in the classroom because the persona of a classroom teacher is different than the persona of a teacher outside the classroom. Yeah, I agree. That makes a lot of sense. Having so. Mr. Stats coach field hockey. Oh my God. Oh my God. Was, yes. was great, especially for Neely. I mean, I think that, you know, he got to see Neely in a whole different light. And he's than a really he hard teacher. Oh, and he's, oh, he is. He's he sort of seventh and seventh eighth and grade, eighth. right? Uh-huh. Seventh and eighth. And Neely had him like four times. Grade. I mean, and he's really hard with the kids love him. But then he was on the field hockey field. And that was. You see him in a different he light. He had never played, obviously mm-hmm. played field hockey before. He learned how to play. I mean, you saw him. In, right. It was, it was both ways. They right. saw him as a person as opposed to mm-hmm. their teacher. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I, I guess I would like Josh Bottomley was yes. my basketball coach first. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. Yeah. I mean, he, I think I was. You guys his, had some great teams. We did. We, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, I wasn't, I didn't, basketball was not my sport, but I had played it for so long and I was tall. So I kind of. So they just threw it. you out there. Right. But um, he was my coach first and then he was a teacher and then he yes. was my college advisor. So oh, cool. it was great. So you because, had them all different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I got to, but I think. You're right. He's I think, amazing. yeah, it would have been a different relationship had he been my English teacher first mm-hmm. and not had that other relationship. I think that's right. Yeah. So how many years did you coach soccer and tennis? So just, just a long couple. enough till you could hire a, a, a couple. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like, till wait, we could afford yeah, exactly. what they were yeah. doing. <laughs> so I remember middle division tennis. Um, I had a group of girls that really didn't want to play tennis. And so they were, they were what I called the hiders. So they were in the backcourt. And, and one time I said to them, I said something and I said, you girls have to get out here and work on this or I'm going to, you know, I'm going to call your parents. And they beat How me to it. They went to their parents and told a different story. Mr. Sheldon is making us <laughs> exactly. run. He's making us do well, all they, this stuff. They said I was really mean. And so Miss Larson calls me in and says, oh gosh, this is hysterical. I, you need to be a little more gentle with the kids and. 
So uh, it was that was my last year teaching middle division <laughs> tennis. It? I think I got fired probably. Oh my god! That's uh, why I won't let my kids play tennis because they would be the hiders because they don't know how to play tennis. Right. So I know the game. See, they if you it, already know it, the game, they do it a lot in tennis. Uh-huh. Um, but it was really that third year that I started realizing that you know what, maybe my my true calling in life is is working with kids. I didn't really know what that looked like, but I knew it was something around that. And so I went home and talked to Stacy and. I said, would you mind if we lived a life that was not as as we had projected it? Um, and it took her about two seconds. She said, absolutely. because And from her side of it, she had her, her husband was there more. Yeah. The kids' parents were home. You know, their dad was home. So it made a, it made a lot of sense for us to, to do this. And so I, I made the switch and never looked back. I've loved it ever since. So at the beginning, you really were just there on a temp, sort of a come one or for two, sure. three years Help us get this place turned around. Mm-hmm. And then, so how many years were you CFO? CFO? I think Eight? it was 11 years. 11 years. Yeah, okay. 11 years is the, and I, I kind of moved from the CFO to the director of operations where an associate had. But you did both of those things, right? I did. I loved it. I, and I, I loved construction. I think I have ADHD is what it is. <laughs> and I, just I kind of have the same problem. I, right? I never like to, I don't like to do one job all the time. I like to do all different that's kinds right. of jobs. And that's why maybe I like the school setting because it is, there's a lot of different things you get to do. Um, yeah, your days are never the same. They're never the same. How could they be? Right. Exactly. <laughs> never, never the same. One day I'll see you like at drop off at middle school, and mm-hmm. then I see you in a meeting in the afternoon, and then I see you at a, in a concert that right. night. I'm like, oh my God, I don't know how he keeps it all straight. Well, so your CFO, mm-hmm. there's, you know, tur- uh, turnover at the school like there is at sure. most independent schools. How, how do you decide to throw your hat in the ring for head of school? So I, I didn't at first. It, I was going to um, say, was that Or did somebody did? come no. to you? <laughs> so the, Once it, again, somebody came to you. When the opportunity to do an interim presented itself, the board just asked me if I would do that. Um, and I was happy to do that on one condition, that I not be asked to consider, be considered for the head of school position. Um, and then a faculty morale was kind of low at the time, and I, I was able to um, make a few changes and it wasn't my doing. It was really just the faculty saying, we want to be a part of something. You were listening. You listened to them. Um, I, the part, yeah. Maybe that was part of it. Uh, but we were able to really significantly turn morale around. And it was probably in the end of May, maybe June, when I, I went to, at the time it was Guy Patton was the board chair. And I said, you know, if we bring somebody else in next year after I've been the interim, right. I run the risk of them undoing everything that we were building some momentum towards. And and again, I'm a big believer that the faculty make your school. So if you don't have faculty who are 100% bought into the pedagogy of what you're doing, it's hard to it's hard to be a great school. And so it was really more from a risk mitigation standpoint that I said, I think I'm going to try this. And I knew if I, if I did it and I didn't get the job, I probably wouldn't get to work there um, for very long because the new person might feel a little bit threatened. Um, and so my wife and I talked about it, and um, I think I prayed about it, and, and I finally felt confident enough to go ahead and do it. And then the board said, and I, I can't remember if you were on the board. Of the I was. Or not, um, said, that's fine, Nathan, but we're going to still do a national we search. We still did a search. <laughs> I was like, no. I was on um, that committee too. Were you? Uh-huh. Well, thank you. Well. Uh, but anyways, I, I went through it, and, and, uh, and I, I was blessed because you guys gave me the chance, and um, it was a chance, Wait, and it was a big risk. Does feel even better, though, that they did a national search? And you I think so. And you still, I mean, yeah. and, and this national search was, this was a real national search right. for a real head, of, I mean, for a head of school who had been head of school before. This was not the stepping stone for somebody. This was, we knew we were ready to have 
a, a heavy hitter head of school. And I mean, I think obviously you, well, you rose took, to you the took top. a chance, and I'm grateful for that. Uh, but I remember when I first sent my resume into, I think it was Wickenden and Associates. Yes, the guy's I name was Jim Wickenden. Mm-hmm. And he called me and he said, Nathan, I got your resume and I'm not sure why you're applying. <laughs> I don't you're know if you're going to make it in the binder. You may not get in the binder. And I, so I called Guy and I said, well, it didn't look very promising. He said, well, I'll make sure that you at least get in the binder. Because <laughs> <laughs> he, he said, you have no experience. And he was right. I didn't have a lot of teaching experience. I didn't have a lot of um school experience i was a cfo i love to build and i love to do those things so but i feel like i don't know looking at kind of cassidy and the the pillars of what the school's built on Mm -hmm. it's kind of like i feel like i've been told a lot at cassidy just because you're not the best at something doesn't mean you won't be great at it right i mean i i don't know i think Mm -hmm. (laughs) teaching algebra for people who hate (laughs) math is probably yes that that class is probably a better teaching experience than being the ap us teacher where all your kids love u.s history you know what i mean like i i don't know i i could see how that is actually better experience. I think you're right. And interestingly enough, I when I when I then was accepted as the head of school, one of the first things I did was went to the math department and said, why do we have the least experienced teacher teaching a class where there's the broadest right. range of kid? You yeah. know, a kid who hates math to a kid who just hasn't had it, it's a challenging class to teach. And so we've pivoted that to <laughs> put some more veteran teachers in there. Call it the Sheldon mistake. That was, that was smart. Good, that was smart. I mean, it, that's that's all it takes, though, is experience, right? Right. And the, who, wait, who teaches? Well, that's right. Tennis now? <laughs> <laughs> well, we have a, we have Gary Trust who oh, does a well, great job. See, oh yes, he's, he knows what he's doing. Exactly. That's right. Wait, that's so funny, yeah. Gary. So he like fired me when I was. Did he really? Oh, no. <laughs> you got fired by well, the tennis pro. So, my cousins were really, really good tennis players, mm-hmm. um, and my brother was pretty good, and I, I just didn't care. And so you were a hider. I wasn't a hider. I actually wasn't. I was just more of like tennis. You tried. You gotta. You really. It takes a lot of. You can't um, just show up. You gotta. Right. But you have mm-hmm. to be kind of self possessed, and I'm not saying that in a negative way. Negative Wait way. a minute. Now that you mentioned that, all the tennis players I know are self possessed. Right. Now I've never thought about it that way. Oh, you. I mean, you have. Oh, yeah. to, You have mm-hmm. to really. And, I'm going through names in my head right uh-huh, now. Uh huh. Uh huh. And I just, I was just kind of a little flitty, and so Gary <laughs> just was like, "I'm not wasting You're my done. time coaching." You have to be kind of driven, don't you? I mean, oh yeah. I mean, think of Paul Cloverdance, who uh, was on SMU you. and played at and SMU. Played. Crunch, and was same thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, early McCoy, Bryant, she yeah. was like, "Oh, oh. oh gosh," mm-hmm. and she played field hockey at Harvard. And that incredible. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, she she was well. Sue, so she was a year ahead of me, so that was kind oh, of like okay. the standard. Well, that you oh, that was quite tough standard. Yeah. Well, so. Was what that Mrs. Year? Erickson by any chance? Was yes, she that was that was Mrs. Erickson. But I didn't mm-hmm. play field hockey. Oh, okay. Emmy and I have this. So, I'm like, oh, Emmy in field hockey, and she's like, let me I remind you, I played volleyball. volleyball. Good for you. Not I everybody know. played field hockey, you. Catherine. And I'm like, oh shoot. I know. If well, I had, if I had been there to recruit you, I had Mrs. Erickson as a. She was my freshman uh, English, English teacher. teacher. Mm-hmm. So that was tough because I wasn't on the field hockey team. Oh, that probably was tough. Yeah, mm-hmm. which is fine. Like it was a mm-hmm. lot of. Now you are very building. resilient, Emmy. Well, yeah. it just there know. were a lot of people that weren't on the field hockey team. Yeah, <laughs> 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 I do sometimes. 
I try to rec- I, mean, I try to I do my best job recruiting. Looking back, it's so funny though. I was telling her a story about just my friends who played field hockey, how they didn't talk to me one time because I suggested they all wear the same color ribbon to a game. Oh mm-hmm. boy, mm-hmm. it so is a little just, bit of a yeah. Mm-hmm. And the blue jello thing I thought was disgusting. I never understood it. Oh, we digress it. to the blue jello. Yeah. To the blue jello. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. So it's been how many years? Eight eight years. I'm in my, been... I'll start my eighth year. I finished my seventh this last year. Wow. Okay, so. Oh. Talk to us about some of the successes that yeah, you what, feel that yeah, you've had. I was say, over the last eight years, if you've done, or seven. Yeah. So there have been I a lot. I think I've so. grown a lot, um, and I know more than, obviously know a lot more than I do, but I think one of the things I really, I'm a big believer in is you hire the best people yeah. and then help them, give them the tools that they need to succeed. And I think we've really done a good job of hiring some outstanding, starts with the faculty, um, but our administrative team is really strong too, and um, I, I, had, I had moved. We moved Josh out of the uh, college counseling role and into kind of associate head of school for academics. And there were a lot of incredible initiatives that Josh helped us um, implement and pedagogically has made our school a better school because of those changes. So I think my strength as a leader is really identifying top-notch people to really then do the implementation of it because I don't know the pedagogy behind why we need to do certain things. I know it a lot better than I did, but I'm I'm not an expert in it. And so I, I really focus on hiring the right people. And the things that you are an expert in, finance, mm-hmm. construction, management, those have been really helpful in the past eight years. Obviously, sure. we've just come through, we're hoping through a pandemic. Mm-hmm. You implemented the security at Cassidy has mm-hmm. been <laughs> dramatically improved. Mm-hmm. I mean, there have been... I mean, we have, we're coming on maybe one of the highest enrollments in school history. Right. Yeah, I think that's, that's probably what I'm, I'm really? very proud of. Yeah. Wow. So we're, we're going to, right now it looks like we could enroll, we could open up with close to 990, which is, will we'll be about a 35 year high. Really? Um, mm-hmm, for our school. So. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. And, and again, I, I go back to, I think it's twofold, right? One is. Um, I am a, I was a big believer in May of last year when COVID was really shutting things down. I was a huge believer that we had to have school in person because I really believe the relation, the student-teacher relationship is is the mojo. It's the secret sauce to great education. Yeah. And so we opened up with in-person learning and had in-person learning the entire year. Um, not without hiccups. We had a few times when, you know, different groups of kids would go down for a series of couple of weeks here and there because of um, quarantining. But I think that caused people to really look at us and say they're serious about education education matters and it really does there's an article that came out in the new york times today that talks about how um, today's parent there's still a quarter of the parents today that would like to see their kids stay in remote and then there's it's followed with harvard study after um, rand study and other studies that, that show that there is significant learning loss that happened last year and it's a really big deal because learning loss is different than a learning gap and learning loss is hard to recover. And so it's predominantly in lower socioeconomic um, areas that this is being affected. But the fact of the matter is, if we didn't have in-person learning and we did just remote learning, there is an area of learning loss that the kids would have. And our kids don't have that. And I think that, that is a, that's a value proposition mm-hmm. that I think parents really appreciated um, and value. And so we, again, will be in person this next year. Um, in fact, we won't be having remote learning, which is causing some stress for some parents who want it. But I think it's good for kids to be in yeah. in person. And, and really the data suggests, you know, I'm a data junkie. And yeah. the data suggests I love that about that, you because um, I do I love do data too. too. I love it. I, I think it, 
it, it speaks to the truth of what, what you want to get to. And, and it filters out all the politics of something. Um, and it just gets to the root of where you're at. And kids really, even though they'll, they get COVID, they rarely get really sick from COVID. And so I think it was a, I, I believe it was a mistake. I think, um, you know, big school systems like the Oklahoma City Public School System couldn't help it. They, they needed to. They just didn't have the resources to be able to open up remotely. But I, I know uh, Sean's probably working really hard right now to make sure that they have that as an option for this coming year because otherwise the learning loss is significant. Um, and, and we had learning gaps, so make no mistake about it. We had some learning gaps, but a learning gap is just simply something like a concept that you didn't cover in algebra. So if, if you didn't do quadratic equations in algebra, you just do it in the, the fall year. of the next right. year, and it's just a gap that you learn. Learning loss is truly an exponential thing that, that actually over time widens, um, and it's really hard to recover from. Mm-hmm. So I think that's probably why I makes me giggle. I'm like, how many learning gaps did I have? <laughs> that just that's a gap, Amy, a gap. You can, you can recover from gap. that. Not a loss. A well, I, I have never <laughs> felt more lucky to live in a place like Oklahoma City than mm-hmm. I have in the past 18 Agreed. months. And the fact that my children had the opportunity to go to school in person, full time. Mm-hmm. I mean, my sister lives on the East Coast. A best friend lives on the West Coast. Their children did not go to school in person until April. Right. And I think no matter, no matter what your what your opportunities are for your children, they have had learning loss. Mm-hmm. I mean, even though they were going online and I mm-hmm. think emotionally it's been pretty difficult for their yeah. children. And I just, I, I'm so thankful every day that the school was in a financial position to be able to implement the things that we did to make right. it possible for our kids to go to school. Cause if this had happened 15 years ago, we may not have had the financial resources that we, that we have now. And I think that's where your, your dedication to the financial side of the school really has been vital. Well, you're, you're kind of say that, but the truth of the matter is, it's we have a board that's very committed and supportive of the needs of the school. That's and true. So they were, they did not hesitate at all to spend what needed to be spent to be able to have. You're not talking learning. about the alumni board. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're, they're very important. They too. are too. Yeah, they're <laughs> very important too. Well, so tell me about your relationship with because one of the things I think is so wonderful about Oklahoma City is that we have we have great private school mm-hmm. options. The public school options. Are, are not quite as mm-hmm. as robust as maybe they are in Norman or Edmond or Deer Creek. I know that we're hopefully moving in that direction, but mm-hmm. our private school opportunities are very robust. Tell me about your relationship with the other private schools in Oklahoma City and how I, I think that you guys work really well together, which I think benefits sure. kids. Absolutely. You know, I think every school has its niche and, and kind of what parents are looking for. And so I think recognizing that, I think all of us heads of schools can yeah. can find ways to get together, and certainly I've, you know, I I will meet with Al King or Paul McDonald who run, you know, they run Crossings or OCS, and and Dave Morton at Bishop McGinnis, and and Guy Bramble who's retired and now has officially retired, but Heritage Hall and yeah. Bob Vernon at Westminster. So I think there's a collegiality, and then there's also the there is a bit of a competitiveness to it because there is some competition between the schools and so we do get together we meet on some somewhat of a regular basis just talk about the issues and and that's always really helpful to see what other people are doing um, but I I would argue um, I think Catherine to me one of the most important things for Oklahoma City's growth and I see it happening I think um, Sean McDaniel's trying really hard to get it there is I think for a school to or for a city to really attract business 
They can't just have great private schools. Yeah. They have to have great public schools. Yeah, they have to. Um, and so I think we have to continue to focus on And, and if, I were, if I were to draw, beat it on, it would be that we really have to continue to support the Oklahoma City public school system to allow them the ability to, to kind of up their game. And I think they're doing a really good job. I think they just have a hard job because it's such a large, I mean, it's a large school district. Yeah. Is um, there anything we, I mean, I, I kind of sometimes think, what can I do? How could I help the Oklahoma City public school system? I don't have any tie to it. I don't have any skills. Is there anything that listeners could do that we can do? You do. I mean, I think I mean, you, know, you can give in three ways, right? You can give your time, you can give your talent, and you can give your treasure. And the truth of the matter is time is, is something that if you can give to a school to go and read to kids mm-hmm. and really to support them. Yeah, yep. yeah, exactly. Uh, I think that's really important. And, and it gives kids a leg up and an opportunity to see people differently than what they see just in their teachers every day. That's such an interesting yeah, I think that needs to be a part of something I do. Because I agree. I was talking to a friend who, they live in Dallas, mm-hmm. um, and they, they're looking to move. And I was like, have you all not looked at Oklahoma City? And she's like, well, you guys don't have good public school systems. And I was like, well, you could afford to send your And then I heard myself saying, you can mm-hmm. afford to send your mm-hmm. kid to private school here. And I was like, that should not be the response, right? right. Like, mm-hmm. that is not the answer. Mm-hmm. I was like, you're right. The public school system is not great in Oklahoma City. Mm-hmm. And... I mean, there's nothing else I could say to that, right? I mean, and right. so I do agree, like, we, there's a lot of potential to make it better. Right. And in fairness, I think we have an Oklahoma City superintendent that really is committed to the Oklahoma City school That's system awesome. and will last longer. If you mm-hmm. ever get a chance to um, bring him on, I would. Well, Bob Ross um, recommended that we bring him on, so yeah. I thought yeah, we, we should, for sure. But I think, you know, our mayor um, oh, you yeah. know, is doing tremendous David work. Yep. David's doing yeah. tremendous work um, to bring in economic growth. You've got the the energy sector. You've got the, um, I mean, really the healthcare. There's the healthcare so many in the semiconductor. I mean, there's a lot of really cool initiatives happening in Oklahoma City. Um, and then our governor is certainly trying to do his best at bringing in business. And I, I think the more we can combine, I do think education has to get better for us to to really bring in the the big companies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think we're I think we're headed in the right direction. Um, and I'm certainly pleased. I'm pleased with where private schools are, but of course I'm in private schools. Right. Um, so to the extent that we can now support uh, the public school system so that they can be the very best, I think we we owe it to our city and to ourselves to do that. Are there any, this is kind of a different, going a different direction, but are there any learning trends that you see coming up that you're really excited about? Yeah, um, it's funny because when I describe some of the learning trends to Mr. Gorham, who's been now with our school <laughs> for was my 58, headmaster, by the was way. he? He was. Interim. Mm-hmm. Interim. Yeah. yeah, that was my oh, cool. senior year. That's awesome. Which was like, <laughs> it was, I love it. He's so. I and he was actually he's my a great freshman. Teacher. It wouldn't have been social studies. I don't know. Latin. Latin. No, I didn't take Latin. Oh, he did do world history. Oh, he did? Mm-hmm. For a number of years, he yeah, did Yeah, he almost made me drink prune juice. No, mm-hmm. he was doing that at the time? Oh, I hope yeah. that was at the oh, end of the day. He would take a dollar bill and circle numbers if you got in trouble. We never knew what the numbers meant. He was making it up. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then he would threaten to make us drink prune juice. Oh, my gosh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. So when you explain that to him, when you explain. Yeah, so some of the initiatives that we're doing right now, I would explain to him, and he'd say, yeah, we did that in the 60s. Oh, in the, in the 80s. And so I think education oftentimes is a, there's a circular it's element like to it. Correct. It, what comes <laughs> yes. around goes around. I think there's some truth to that. Um, what I think we know now 
today different than what we knew in the 70s is that we know how the brain engages and what causes the brain to engage. And so one of the things that we know and what I think we've done really well at our school is we really don't want to focus so much on the content as we want to focus on the skill. So I'll give you an example. Um, if the three of us were reading Lord of the Flies, oh, um, it, okay, so that's a great book. That it's, great it's, book. A, it's a great read. It's, it's challenging. But as long as, as long as I can define and defend a theme, the teacher will support that. And that's the skill because we don't know what my major is going to be. We want, we want you to be able to critically think through what's the theme. So, Amy, you might choose to make it about um, pig. a pig and savagery, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And as long as you can define and defend it, the teacher will support you. And, Catherine, you might turn around and say, no, it's really about family. And if you can create a good thesis and defend that, then we're going to support that. So the, the oh, real skill from Lord of the Flies isn't reading Lord of the Flies. It's learning to synthesize and create and defend themes and theses, which because later on in life you're going to go through and have to figure out, okay, what's at the root of the problem and how do we solve for it? That's so interesting because I feel like, yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think who taught me Lord of the Flies. What grade is that, eighth? Yeah, uh, a little bit later. I think it's nine. Is it ninth? Now. Okay, mm-hmm. so kind of what Coach Eric said. But I feel like at the time it was more about how many themes can you identify. Mm-hmm. It wasn't necessarily mm-hmm. like what do you deduct from these themes, mm-hmm. which makes a lot more sense that it would be more skill-based. So if, if I think that's something we're focusing on more today than we yeah. have in the past. And, and, and we've always had a skills component to it. But the reason we do that is because today's kindergartner, your child who starts in kindergarten will have, we have no idea what majors are going to be around when they get to, you know, their senior year. So if we focus on the skills, then we'll know that we, we have them ready and confident for, for whatever the world hands them. And I think that's something that we're, we're trying to pivot more into dig deep into a topic rather than on a shallow basis. And so we're moving more into kind of collaborative learning and really diving into the skills more so than the content. Is it it hard to get teachers on board with that? Or how do you, because that's a different way of teaching, a different way of thinking. How do you train, probably harder to grade. There's no wrong answer. Well, I mean, there are. Yeah, so you have to create different sets of rubrics for for that. So Um, how do you get the teacher on board and how do you train them? So I think one of the things that, that, again, I think is important is that you you lead from sometimes the bottom up. Um, And so if you can collaboratively get teachers to see the value of something and get their input in it, you're going to have a much stronger product. And so I think we have always done that well, where one of my one of my styles is to really collaborate with um, our team. And so I think most of our teachers will buy into it. And then sometimes they don't and they resist. And that's okay too. Are teachers good collaborators? They're. Yeah. They're learning to be They're Yeah. So I think, Mm -hmm. you know, it's funny. we want to grade kids, but then we don't want to get graded ourselves sometimes. And it's it's one of those concepts of, you know, let me have my fiefdom. And, but I would say our teachers in general are really good collaborators. And if you give them, if you empower them with the solution, you know, help us think about what's best for kids, they will oftentimes come up with a really cool idea that we haven't even thought of. It's um, probably that, a dyslexic kid. Well, certainly there's a lot. We know a lot more about a dyslexic kid today. We well, know that a, a lot more yeah. kids are learning difference, not because they're, you know, challenged. They right. just, they just learn differently. That's what I was so excited when I toured to just hear the differences from when I was in kindergarten, first grade and how dyslexia and ADD and ADHD are treated. It was like, Oh, thank right. God. You know, mm-hmm. it's just, it seems so much more, um, empathetic mm-hmm. and yeah. Collaborative is like what you're saying. I was so thrilled to just see all the changes and it made me feel so comfortable that's awesome i I think what you know when you went to school we had we had one 
learning specialist yes. and one counselor. Today we have, I think there was one, not the college counselor, but... I even had a counselor. Dr. Moore, was she there or she, not? Not till I was in like middle okay, school. Okay, so we didn't even have that. Yeah. Today we have, you know, two support services, you know, counselors for, mm-hmm. for truly social-emotional support. And our goal, my goal would be to have a third one, one for each division. And then we have at least one learning specialist in every division with love. two in the lower division because of, it's so critical that the kids have a foundation of reading. And that is an age where they really can use more support. Well, and I did. So, um, Mrs. Morgan, I think mm-hmm. she was in second grade, third grade. Well, she, she was she's first grade. grade she's now, first grade right? now, but she might have been a second grade teacher. I, I think this is Miss Miss Morgan okay. has passed. Oh, there was. A, oh, you're oh, talking. Yeah. She, Patty Morgan? No, that's no. no oh. Who's no? I'm talking. She had like white hair. Anyway, was it Muskowski? No, she, her last name was Morgan. Man, I don't remember. Okay. okay well, was she anyways, your she, learning specialist? Well, so she was trained in alphabetic phonics. Okay. And so she would tutor me after school, but she wasn't the person, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So there happened to be certain teachers who were trained. Who could help. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Isn't that wild to yeah, think about? That is yeah. crazy. Yeah. But I, I am so grateful that that... that aspect of education is incorporated into the everyday classroom Mm now and into the school day as opposed to so much after after school school. that we're able Mm -hmm. to provide to a certain extent um, that that piece of it right and our goal with all of this is to help us get out of needing that extra help um, and to really give them the tools and the equipment to get out of that uh, where possible the other thing that we're doing different right now is I'm a big believer that you ask the people that you're sending to what they need in a student. And so we're always asking the colleges and universities, what do you need? Um, and I think for the most part, colleges and universities ask businesses what they need. Sometimes lately I've wondered if they're really doing a very good job of asking that question. <laughs> but it's really introduced more of a collaborative learning space. And so we're, we're doing things more um, rather than you write an individual paper, you might together work on creating a paper or doing sense. things together. Um, and we're finding that to be a really powerful way for kids to learn That presentation you gave on college admissions blew my mm. mind. I mean, just because no, I, I wouldn't go to college. They wouldn't let me into college now. It's really, oh, I mean, it's really, yes, they would. it's yeah. much more the, the competitive. Thing, the steps you have to go through, I mean... I was just like, oh my gosh! And now it's like not the well-rounded student; it's like the, thing the angled like, student. The angled mm-hmm. student. I was like, oh my gosh! Right? Like, I just well because you know, I, obviously, I'm not old enough yet to have kids who are thinking about this, mm-hmm. and I feel somewhat still like I was in college recently, but not at all. I'm realizing, you but are. you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? I just I feel removed from that whole process, and then to hear now what these kids are going through to apply, mm-hmm. I was like, oh my gosh. I'm sure everybody says that, you know, like the next generation has it so much worse when it comes to college. But this generation, I, they really have it bad. I, I agree. But I do it's think hard. they're so prepared. They In are. a way, there's there's so much more prepared than I was. Really? And, and than you Probably. were. Sh- oh. Well, because Mr. Bottomley started as the college counselor my junior year. That sounds about right. Dr. Rumsey was, and I think, he worked Rumsey, with Dr. Rumsey yeah, and him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Dr. Rumsey was wonderful. But I just think, you know, Miss, actually, Mr. Bottomley is why I went to TCU. Wow. Because Awesome. He like I had picked some other colleges that were in the south, and he was mm-hmm. like, "I don't think socially you're going to align with some of these colleges." And he was 100 percent correct. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just interesting to hear. Yeah, just he was kind of the first person to actually sit down with a lot of us and say, "Okay, mm-hmm. like you're interested in fashion, you're interested in right. business. Now let's talk about like what you like." Like it was more than just, "Oh, you have this GPA, these test scores, so you can apply to Vanderbilt." 
in like this level. Right. Or you can apply to TCU in mm-hmm. this level or SMU or whatever right. it was. So. Well, that is, we're really, we're really good at p- picking the school for the kid. Right. I mean, I, I've, I think I've some come parents to learn who, that. Some parents don't like the word fit, but the truth of the matter is we really There's do like focus on fit. fit. And I think yeah. you just described fit. We had another student who was accepted to um, Georgetown has a less than 3% acceptance rate to the foreign service, uh, their foreign oh, service God. program. Which I didn't is even know anyone in foreign service because they're so small. Um, and, <laughs> but we also knew that he loved film and film studies. Oh, so and so really we ended up having him, we encouraged him to look at USC, that has a phenomenal film school right. and a great foreign service. And so he's, he's doing both. Um, by going there. So for our school, it would have looked better to have yeah, him matriculate to, George, to Georgetown. Yeah. Yeah. But but for him, we found the right place and the right fit. And just like, you know, for kids that want to be a doctor, there there's a right fit for them. And right. we've got a kid who's just graduating from UMKC who did a five-year doctor program. Wow. Um, you know, as soon as he started, he knew he was in the doctor program. It was the right fit for this young man to do that program. So I think that's one thing I think private schools afford their parents and children a little better than some of the public schools because the truth of the matter is the college counseling in public schools is it's one per I think in Oklahoma it's 300 you know for us it's it's a much smaller number Um, and so really it's it's whatever the parents and the students do on their own that help them figure out where to go that's tough too because I'm sure as a college counselor at a public school you might have to hit certain numbers or you're maybe thinking about it, the whole instead mm-hmm. of the individual. Um, yeah, so what r- normally happens in, pri- in public school is you work with the top kids, the top 5%, and then you work with the bottom 5% just because there's so much you have to work with them on. Uh, and so the middle just gets forgotten about. Which, uh, and that's not even the middle, that's the majority, right? Right, that's, well, that's true. Yeah, that's 90%. That's a good point. Yeah. That's, so you're so, pretty good at math. Like retail math. I can do percentage. Oh, I love retail math so much. It's my favorite. Ask math. me a percentage off and I, okay. I can do it. Your retail math calculator is literally 15 buttons. It's perfect. Oh, yeah. There's no fancy calculator. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, one of my A's in college was buying because I understood I that it. math. That's, that's awesome. Perfect. Um, well, I think we're, are we ready for final yes, two? Okay, let's so do we it. kind of final two questions. Okay. And the, one of them is a three-parter, so this is just, it's, sure. it's, it's a lot of questions we tried to squeeze but into so one. So we always ask kind of in 10 years where you see yourself, where you see Cassidy School, and where you see Oklahoma City, where did all of those things And we fall? can say Oklahoma City Metro, because I know that mm-hmm. you live in Norman, so we can, we've expanded our reach. Or you could say like education in Oklahoma City. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe yeah. get a little bit more specific. Okay. You know, I, I first of all, where I see myself in ten years is I'm I bleed blue, and, <laughs> and I don't see myself going to another school. So I don't I'm not in education for the opportunity to be ahead of school. I'm at Cassidy School because I found a place that I really love. So for me, that's more of a calling than it is a career. Although it's been a wonderful career, and I'll look back on it fondly. So I probably will I will be doing much of the same thing. If I don't, I've always had a heart for those people. Um, as when our kids were growing up, we fed homeless um, people at our church, and I taught a homeless um, a Sunday school class. And so, if this gig runs up, and I hope it doesn't, but if it does, I probably will will pursue something in the Oklahoma City area um, around homelessness and shelters and, and that kind of thing. Because I, I do think there's a, a rising need for for yes. that demographic, and it, and it really stems around mental health. Uh, but yeah. I think Oklahoma City, I, I've seen a lot of growth. You guys have probably seen even more having grown up here, but I think it's really turned some corners the last kind of five years. And it, I think Mayor Holt's doing a terrific job of identifying enterprise zones that hopefully we can, with you know, by bringing in companies, can, can continue to create kind of a spillway from 
what I call the triangle, the golden triangle, the Dallas, the Austin, the, the Houston. There has to be some spillover that even if we, even if Oklahoma City was picking up some of the crumbs, we would be a much bigger city. But I think the the, the foresight of someone like um, I think Larry Nichols, who was really behind um, Scissor Tail Park, really has created an environment that people want to be at. Uh, I look at my daughter and she wants to live downtown. I think every kid her age yeah. is wants to be in the down, you know, kind of in that area. And it's a real vibe that I think is, is going to continue to propel Oklahoma City forward. There's some things I think we have to do business-wise that make it a little more business-friendly, but I, I think we're doing the right things and we've got the right people in place to do them. Um, and I think certainly uh, Mayor Holt's one of the people that I think has really seen the opportunity and knows where we're going. So I think in ten years, if we're if we're this size, I'll be shocked. I think I think we'll start having congestion problems. Which, in, as far as construction goes, I'm not sure that we're the best at street construction. <laughs> oh so gosh. we may need we're to. Actually there's the something we need to improve mm-hmm. on. Yeah. I swear, when I go to Dallas, it's like within a three week period they've built a seven story overpass. That, you know, well, and it takes us yeah. twenty years to build right. one of the tiniest say, you've ever you, seen. Can you make sure Penn is open by the time school <laughs> starts? Yeah, please. Oh my goodness. So I'm, I'm excited about the future of Oklahoma City. Yeah. I, I think there's a lot of potential out there. What and, about Cassidy? You know, Cassidy, I, one of the things that I think I like about Cassidy, and so as long as I'm running the school <laughs> and the board supports me in this, I don't want to be a school that's much bigger than 1,000. I, I, I like that I know your children. I may not remember their name every time I see them, especially when they're younger. I don't know but how I, you can remember But I know them, and they know that I know them. Um, and that's, a, that's, that's an ethos about a school that I think we've had since 1947. Um, you know, and I think that's something I, I wouldn't want to lose. So I would hope that we wouldn't grow too much past that, past a thousand. Um, I think we'll continue to be a school that is really focused on the academics. I think all of our athletic children understand that most likely they're going to go to school to play athletics, but they're a student athlete. They're not an athletic student. Um, so they don't have necessarily aspirations to become, uh, you know, an NBA player, although of course they'd like to, but the odds are pretty slim that that's going to happen. But I think I would like to see maybe more than right now, about 10% of our class goes on to play collegiate athletics, which is and not we bad. We just had someone run in the Olympic trials. We did. Oh, I was so proud of Isaiah. Oh tell, my tell the listeners about our right. Olympic trial participant. So nicest young man, Isaiah Olivia. He was in our scout guide shoot. Oh, was he? Uh-huh. Oh, cool. Oh, he He's was? such a neat kid. Um, if you get a chance to talk to him, you're going to see a kid who's just the nicest of nice people. Um, and when he was at Cassidy, he played three sports. He was a volleyball player. We have boys volleyball at Cassidy. Which is such a cool, like, the boys volleyball team is really fun to watch. It is, isn't like, it? Yes. Cause it's, it's so fast. And it just, started, well, it didn't start, but I think that when I was in high mm-hmm. school is when all of these guys who are really good at basketball and other sports realize that they don't have to play football. Right. Was, was Mr. Vanetta the coach? Oh, yeah. yeah when yeah, you yeah. were here? Yeah. Seth really, he was yeah. my class. He got it going. He loved it. And, and before him was a He's guy named your... Eric Lombardi. Oh, okay. oh yep. Mr. Who's Lombardi. Now school at, at Fort, Fort Country Country Day. Day. Right. Um, so he's now. So huge Sarah's volleyball boss. fans. Um, but he so, played volleyball, played basketball, and played and ran track. And he, was, he had gotten a scholarship to play volleyball on the West Coast. And at the very last minute, um, his mom and dad were track stars, and he just he, the scholarship wasn't as much as I think he had hoped for, and so he made the decision to go to OU, and it just transformed his life, and he's just been, and he's just a phenomenal, he's a he's a man of integrity, and so, so he, he runs with integrity. Track team at OU? He's on OU's track team. Okay. In fact, he set the didn't he he won the, the, the Big the... Twelve, um, and I think right now he's being he's one of the two OU athletes 
eligible for the Big 12 Athlete of the Year. Wow. So he's a really neat So kid. he made it to the fi- prelims, semifinals, finals. Oh, yeah, he made so it he all the 400-meter right? hurdles, right? He won right? the Big 12, okay. uh, and he came in, I think, second at nationals. But he uh, then he tried out for the Olympics, and he went through, and he won. Yeah. His, he, won he got second. He won his first heat, second in his second heat. And then in the very last heat, yeah. I think he came in sixth, um, and they took the top. The top five are um, uh, Olympic eligible. So uh, it was so much fun no to regrets. watch. Wasn't it fun to oh, watch? And I loved how we kept posting about it. I and know. it was cheering. Everyone was cheering them on. It I mean, they're hurdles. Like. Yes. And then, and then it's all grueling. my friends whose kids were in school with him would say, oh, my son ran on the track, ran on mm-hmm. the track, you know, the relay with him. Or right. he played volleyball or whatever. It was fun to. To, to be fair, I think athletics is one of those things that is really galvanizing to communities, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so. We may not have the always the best athletes, but as long as you can build community around athletics, you're going to have a really strong, committed school or a school with a strong community. Yeah, yeah I think I agree. I there's so much community when I played all mm-hmm. my sports. The, when I remember the years that I, I came after, but you graduated after I had just started, I think. Yeah. But yeah, there was there always has been a strong bond around athletics. Yeah. We we have some things right now that's causing the the community aspect of it to be a little bit more challenging. challenging. Um, well, in COVID. But, uh, yeah. Well, COVID. Yeah. For, yeah. Forget this last year. Yeah, but before exactly. that, I was just happy they were out there in COVID. I mean, at right. that point, I mean, I was thrilled they had something mm-hmm. to do after school. But we, we play girls field hockey at our school, and that's unique to Oklahoma, and so is boys volleyball. But honestly, boys volleyball, I think, is something that we'll, we'll pick up and start to take off um, uh, across the state. I think yeah, that's something that so we'll continue. We're getting wild. a field hockey club in Oklahoma that's City, by heard. the way. So that's I'm already really recruiting cool. people from other schools to Good join the you. club. Not me. Not Emmy. She's going to start a volleyball club. I love that. I think Madison's, and I think Madison, our coach, is really doing mm-hmm. some neat things. She followed a legend. I mean, I th- we've always she, had legends, right? I know. It I mean, feels like you've always had. I mean, there have only been three, Erickson, right? Well, Lane. maybe somebody before, somebody there before, Dorothy. Before. Yeah, um, but, but yes, those are the ones we remember. Mm-hmm. Well, really cool. okay, so we know you're not a native to Oklahoma City, but that's why we, mm-hmm. why we love to ask this question. So a friend from mm-hmm. somewhere else, from college, comes to visit Oklahoma City for the weekend. Maybe this person's been here before a long time ago. Maybe they haven't. Mm-hmm. You pick them up at the airport. What do you take them to do? It can it, it can be a norm. It doesn't have to be in Oklahoma okay. City. I know you don't have a lot of free time. Assume you have the entire day. You do not have to return an email, a phone call, nothing. You and Stacy can spend the whole day taking someone to do something you guys love. I would say it's pretty an easy answer. I think I would take them to Scissor Tail Park first and show them. I, Stacey and I love going down there and spending. Oh, time Emmy and I love it too. We, yeah, mm-hmm. it's phenomenal. I mean, this is this is a park that, quite frankly, I think is transforming our city into yeah. a different kind of city. Um, and then I'd probably take a streetcar over to Bricktown and have have lunch or dinner, whatever the whatever the case may be. But I think we have a thriving downtown that's really fun to be associated with. So, I we spend off oftentimes we'll spend our weekends up up here doing things in Oklahoma City, even though we live in Norman. It's just a, it's a great community. So I've never been on the streetcar. That's so embarrassing. We've got to go. I mean, You've got to go. Well, it, I mean, it's, there aren't a lot of people I might it. be the only it's one. It's probably heavily subsidized. <laughs> it is heavily it's, subsidized. It's definitely not getting much to my much, dad's dismay. It's, I, <laughs> I, I get it. And I, and I, and I probably am with your dad to some degree, <laughs> but it really is cool if you're bringing a friend to show Oklahoma City to jump on the streetcar and just bump over. I've heard it's fun to do with your kids and we've meant to do it. And then, but then we have our car. 
Right. And so I guess like, you could take it in a circle. I know. We'll go to well, Caesar Tail and just what, park. And that's then what we were. That's what we were about it. to do. I know. That's. I told Jeff, and then we like didn't have the app, and it was one of those things where it was like yeah. we had about a two second window of our kids about to freak out, and we yes. just didn't get it together. Well, it's one of those things where I think you do it, but you don't. Like it's not a. I don't let people really ride it right for, for actual work. Right. No, yeah. I, mean, I don't think anyone's We do it for that. fun, and it is a lot yeah. of fun. It's like the trolley in Uptown in Dallas. I'm like, who actually right. takes that trolley for Probably work? Not that many. No yeah. one. Yeah. No one. Yeah, yeah that's well, so true. Let's say you go back to Norman for dinner. Mm-hmm. Where do you have dinner, Norman? In Norman. Oh gosh. We've been told there are really good restaurants in Norman. That there are some good ones. Um, Stacy and I are. are we're kind of Chinese fans. So oh, we, good. Okay, we were just uh, discussing Chinese food right uh, before you got but here. But there's a. I'm going to tell you a different place. There's a food truck taco place that we absolutely love, and we go probably oh, once a week. Okay. Um, and it's right on the uh, kind of on the corner of Highway Nine and Twenty Fourth, I think Northwest Twenty okay. Fourth. On that, there's an Atwoods. Uh, as you're going to the stadium, oh, you can get you know, live chickens at Atwoods. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. Heads off and you might feel right at home over there, Nathan. You should get to the outlets. Stop. <laughs> so okay. Does, the, does this taco truck have a name? And is it there all no, the time? I think so. It's always there. I don't okay. Because Jim tried to get tacos yesterday. He went to Fourth and MacArthur. Then he went to Twenty Third oh and the Lake Hefner Parkway, or whatever that highway is. Mm-hmm. They were all and he, gone? no, because it was Sunday, and he didn't know it was Sunday. I guess maybe oh. they weren't open on Sunday, so he no. was so mad. He finally. So I'm going to tell him about this. There's a great one, El Racine on. Britain and yes, oh so yes, wait, is kind it the Preston Piercy was telling me it's a burrito. That's it's a, a burrito okay. one. My parents are obsessed with the burrito truck. It's, and it's, awesome. it's so good. Mm-hmm. Okay, because somebody uh, Preston Piercy told me about it that that was a, that yeah. was a really good one. But I'm going to tell Jim Highway Nine and Twenty Fourth. Twenty Fourth. What kind of tacos do you get? Uh, I get um, uh, carne asada. Mm. Okay, I'm a carne asada person. This is really helpful for my family. Yeah. I appreciate it, this. You're not driving to Norman for a taco. Oh, Jim will. Mm-hmm. Are you serious? Yes, Jim has two oh food groups. Tacos. tacos and steaks. That's about it. We like steak. <laughs> <laughs> so this is very helpful. Very <laughs> helpful. No, you can say that. We had steak last night. Thank you so much. Wait, where can people find more information about Cassidy? Sure. Um, if they wanted to apply or acquire admissions, mm-hmm. what would they do? So our website. Uh, Cassidy.org, www.cassidy, C-A-S-A-D-Y.org is where you would start. We have an incredible admissions team take you on a tour. I think for a lot of people in Oklahoma City, we're one of those best-kept secrets. Very few people know where we're at, but when they come to campus and they look at it and they realize just not only how gorgeous it is, it just reminds them of back east, which is what it was designed around. Um, But it's also a really inviting and welcoming school. We have a lot of kids from a lot of different zip codes, and they all feel welcome at Cassidy School. So. And from a lot of different countries. I, oh, I think gosh, that's yeah. one of the things I especially love about it is that mm-hmm. and is that people, yeah. I mean, in, in, in Neely's grade, I don't know, a third of the people, their parents do not speak English as a first language, mm-hmm. which I absolutely love. It feels very diverse in that way. But I think that speaks to what Mayor Holt's doing for mm-hmm. Oklahoma City right now, too, is we're bringing a lot more people in. And so one of the one of the negative effects to that for us has been that you know parents come in as you know maybe a doctor coming in or something and and they they work here for a couple of years and then their career moves them somewhere else. Oh, so yeah. the lifer, if you will, mm-hmm. lifer, Are that we person, to say that? We're, we don't do that anymore. Okay. Anymore, but, but the kid who starts in primary and goes all the way through twelfth grade, that percent is getting smaller. Um, but we're getting a much more diverse group of families 
um, that, that are coming in from is outside Is it really getting city. smaller? It is. So I think this, this year maybe it was 25%. Oh, my gosh. This migraine was like 50%. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Just, that makes sense, though. Yeah, because industries are moving or if, right. yeah, if your parents People are come and go now. They and never do that when I mean, we were growing up. Kids, yeah. the, the kids. I call them kids because you, yeah. you, yeah. you are yeah. kids. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but your age group is still trying to figure out, you know, yeah, where you're going to land and where you're going to do life. And so they come into Oklahoma and they go out of Oklahoma, which I love. I think that's the sign of a healthy economy. And a healthy city is when there is that transient um, mm-hmm. transfer That's of knowledge. That's so interesting, yeah, because there were very few kids who left. And when they did, we were also sad. Yes. And if they like, left, oh, yeah, if they, they left the city. Very few yeah, left the city. Like, oh, right. nobody left the city when I was growing up. Nobody. And I think more and more person. parents are saying, I'm going to take my kid where it's best for my kid. So, right. you know, you might have a child who, one child's at crossings and another child's at Cassidy School. Um, so they're, well, they're both in the, didn't even exist when I was in school. Right. It, what was it? Oklahoma Christian only, probably. Yeah, and yeah that was it. Bishop and Mount St. Mary's, maybe, and Heritage. Yeah, Heritage. Rosary. All the, all the Catholic schools. Yeah, Crossings. I think they might have had a preschool mm-hmm. when I was in high school. Okay. But yes, it and they just added high school yeah, recently. Would, yeah. So the website, I will say the website, we've just redone our website. The website's Mm -hmm. excellent. There's so much great information there. We have a lot of videos that would inform people if they want to really know what Cassidy School is about. But I think one of the things we always encourage parents is know what you want of your kids. Um, We're going to ask a lot of your children. We're going to support your children through that. But we aren't going to shy away from having the kids work hard. We're we're not, we are believers in, in hard work. And we think that's something that's really important for kids when they get to college. And, and I do a lot of advising of the average kid, if you will. So for all my advisees that might be listening, sorry, guys, I told you average. <laughs> you're definitely um, not average. You're not average because when they come back from college, they, they say things like, we knew how to write better than anyone on our floor. So yeah. when we had to write a 10-page paper, hear that it was all the no time. big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think my we freshman have, year, I was not living in a library. I probably should have been at more, <laughs> but I wasn't living there freaking out about writing a paper or whatever because you they knew how to do, do it. it. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So we're going to equip kids with the right skills to get to wherever they want to go. Um, yeah. So well, that's where you, you go. Thank well, you. And if anybody has any questions, you guys can send us a direct DM, message. Yeah on Instagram and Emmy and I will respond because we're pretty involved with the school as well and we love it. We, we're glad you are. And so we can we'll help in any way we can if anyone's interested. Awesome. Well, thank you. Nathan, thank you thank so you. much. I fun. know that I had to drag you here kicking and screaming and I really loved it. it you did, it. but it was fun. I <laughs> thank you. you guys made it feel easy. Good. Good. Okay. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us today. We truly appreciate your listening to these stories. You can find us on Instagram at ActionCityOKC or for business inquiries, email us at hello at ActionCityOKC.com. Action City is produced by Blacken Studios. You can find the studio on Instagram and Facebook at Blacken Studios. Creative services provided by Ranger Creative. Music written and performed by Kansas City Bankroll.